0: Welcome once again to Exploring the Scriptures presentation of the Old Testament with Dr. Ron Bartholomew. Here now is Dr. Bartholomew. Before I start today's lesson, I just wanted to mention that this broadcast is presented through the facilities of Golden Gems Radio. They can be found at www.goldengems.net and they feature each week the life and music of one of the great artists of the Golden Days of Radio. In the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when music was music, I would like to invite you to listen to them. That's goldengems.net Today we're going to look at we're going to begin our study of the words of Isaiah. Fortunately, however, this first lesson we have a lot of commentary from the Book of woman. Why Isaiah? Why? Why did? Why, why the chapters? Of, why they? Why, why? Why are the Isaiah chapters in the Book of woman? First of all. He tells what happens to nations who reject Christ. Our nation is a nation, is one of those nations that is teetering on rejecting or accepting Christ. Nephi is very interested in what Isaiah has to say because Isaiah talks about his people. we Look at 1 Nephi 12 verse 19. It says, And while the angels spake these words, I beheld and saw that the seed of my brethren did he contend against my seed, according to the word of the angel. And because of the pride of my seed and the temptations of the devil, I beheld that the seed of my brethren did overpower the seed of the power of the people of my seed. Nephi saw that his people would be destroyed by the Lamanites. So he's very interested in what Isaiah has to say, hoping that maybe he can stem that tide. To begin with, there's a Jewish case study. It's in 2 Nephi 10, verses 3-6. Where it says the following Wherefore, as I said unto you, it must needs be expedient that Christ, from last night the, the angel spake unto me that I, this should be his name, should come among the Jews, among those who are the more wicked part of the people, and they should crucify him, for thus of their God, that there is none other nation on earth that would crucify their God. For the for should the mighty miracles be wrought among other nations, they would repent and know that he be their God. But because of priestcrafts and iniquities, the Jerusalem will still in their necks against him that he be crucified. Wherefore, think how sad this is. The Nephi has seen the future crucifixion of the Savior of the world. Wherefore because their iniquities, destructions, famines, and pestilences, and bloodshed shall go upon them. And they shall not be destroyed, shall be scattered among all nations. So Nephi sees the destruction of his people. He also sees the destruction of the, of the Jews, because they reject Christ. So he's very interested in, in, in what's happening here. Isaiah 25, it says the following. So what do you do with the prophet that's seen his people destroyed and seen the people that he came from destroyed? That's when he that he's He's very sad. He sees the destruction of his own people and also the destruction of the people that he came from. This is his take on the whole thing. Verse 3. Wherefore, I write unto my people that, they, that those that shall receive hereafter these things which I write, they may know the judgments of God that they come upon all nations according to the word which he has spoken. Nephi knows that God is kind and merciful, but he also knows that he's just, and these judgments will come upon all people. Verse 9 says, And as one generation hath been destroyed among the Jews because of iniquity, even so they have been destroyed from generation to generation according to their iniquities, and never have any of them been destroyed, so as foretold them by the promise of the Lord. The, prophet, the prophets always foretold the destruction of the people, but the people refused to repent. Wherefore, it has been told them concerning the destruction which should come upon them. Immediately after my father left Jerusalem, nevertheless, they hardened their hearts. And according to my word of prophecy, they have been destroyed, Save were those who were carried captive into Babylon. Now this I speak, because of the Spirit which is in me, and now saying they have been carried away, they shall return again and possess the land of Jerusalem, wherefore they shall be restored again to the land of their inheritance. But behold, even though they be restored to the land of their inheritance, they would crucify Christ. Behold, they shall have wars and rumours of wars, when they come that the only begotten of the Father, yea, even the Father of heaven and earth, shall manifest himself unto them in the flesh. Behold, they will reject him because of their iniquities and the hardness of their hearts and the stiffness of their necks. Can you imagine Nephi seeing the Savior appear to these people and then rejecting him because of the hardness of their hearts? Can you imagine how Nephi has to fail about that? Behold, they will crucify him. And after he is laid in his sepulcher, for the space of three days, he shall rise from the dead. And with healing in his wings, and all those who have believed in his name shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Wherefore my soul delight is concerning him, for I see in his day, and my heart is magnify his holy name. Nephi saw that even though the Savior would be destroyed by the, the Jews, after three days he would rise from the dead and be resurrected, and this brought Nephi great joy. For behold, it shall come to pass. After the Messiah hath risen from the dead, hath manifested himself unto his people, and to as many as believe in his name, behold, Jerusalem shall be destroyed again. For woe unto them that fight against God, against the people of his church. I've thought a lot about how this might apply to our day. We live in a very prosperous time, a very a time that is full of prosperity and there are many people who are remembering the Lord. There are many people that are righteous. There are some who are not, but there are some who are. It is my hope and prayer that we'll stay faithful to the Savior so that when He appears, we can be like Him and return to Him again. Nephi, having grabbed onto this prophecy of Isaiah, feels the need to to express how he feels about Isaiah. Through the teachings of, of Isaiah. Well, I looking at a couple of them right now. For example, he says in chapter 12, verse five, O house of Jacob, come ye and let the let us walk in the light of the Lord. Yea, come, for you have all gone astray, everyone to his wicked ways. When I first read this I thought, Well, I'm of I'm of the Israel. How I turn away my good ways. But I think all of us have wicked ways of one sort or another. Then, if I, as more, then the Isaiah is more specific. He says, quote, Their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, which their own fingers have made. Wow. If there's ever a prophecy about our day, it's that one. Think about all the things that we made with our hands, and how we worship them or pay devotion to them. And the mean man bowed not down, and the green man hath himself not. Therefore forgive him not. I thought a lot about how the mean man boweth not down and the great man humbled himself not. I realized that humility appears to be that characteristic that the Savior uh, cherishes one of the, the most because a humble people will listen to him and will follow him and will obey him and will worship him. It takes a humility to do that. I guess one of the advantages of my current condition, as difficult as it might be to understand me, is that it's brought me down to the depths of humility in ways i never experienced before. And those, those have been precious to me because they've helped me get closer to the Savior. Verse 17, 2, verse 17 says, And the loftiness of man shall be brought down, and the highness of man shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. I can't imagine a day when the Lord alone will be the only one that is exalted. That's what Nephi sees the future of Israel. In chapter chapter 13, verse 4, it says, And I will give children unto them to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them, and the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, every one by his neighbor, and the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. There would come a time when we would have little children lead us and they would lead us the wrong way. Think about how old President Nielsen is compared to the world that's following up to the youth of the world and the, to the wicked ways of the world. Chapter ten, chapter thirteen verse ten says Say unto the righteous, it is woe well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, for they shall perish. For the word of their hands shall be upon them. Although this takes time and it's not happening immediately, it will eventually happen. And then Isaiah gives a beautiful, he tells a beautiful story about Israel that I love to read. Chapter 15. Oh, how I wish that we could learn from Isaiah. Isaiah, the Isaiah chapters are tough. We used to have a joke in seminary that the person had a, had a book of Mormon in his pocket and uh, somebody shot him and the bullet stopped it. The Isaiah chapters, not even a bullet could get through. Well, the Isaiah chapters might be difficult. They're very choice, and the reason that Nephi quotes them is because they're so choice for our day. Look at this one, for example. chapter 15, verse 1. And then... Will I sing to my well beloved the song of my beloved touching his vineyard? My well beloved has a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. The Lord says his well beloved, his the people that he loves, were like a vineyard in a fruitful hill. And he fenced it, and he gathered out the stones thereof, and planted with the choicest vine, and will a the midst of it and also made a white wine press therein. He looked that it should bring forth grapes, but instead brought forth wild grapes. And now in heaven, so Jerusalem, I'm, and then man of Judah, judge, I pray thee, between me, between me and my vineyard. What could I have been done more to my vineyard than I have done to it? Wherefore, when I looked, it should bring forth grapes, it brought, 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 brought forth wild grapes. The Lord is telling Judah that he did everything possible. He put a tower, which is a prophet, he will have fence it, which is the covenants. He did everything he could for the for the vineyard so that it would grow good grapes, but it still grew it still grew bad grapes. He's asking Judah, why why is this the case? And now I'll go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the heads thereof, it shall be eaten up. I'll break down the wall thereof, it shall be trodden down. I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned or digged. There shall come briars and thorns, and I also command the clouds that rain no rain, rain, rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel, and the man of Judah has Judah it upon it. He looked for judgment, and behold, he oppression, for righteousness, behold, he the cry. The Lord did everything he could for the vineyard. He planted it in good ground. He put a fence around it. He put a tower in it. He did everything possible. But He cannot take away our agency. Let's compare this to our day. We have so many blessings. We have an abundance of blessings all around us. Are we living the law of the Lord? Are we keeping His commandments? Are we, are we remaining pure and holy as He would, would have us remain? Or are we allowing ourselves to be tarnished by the things of the world, of which there are many, many, many to be tarnished by Verse 13, the Lord says, This is chapter 15, verse, six, verse 13. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are no famished, and their multitude is with thirst. Therefore, hail hath enlarged herself, and their mouth is without measure, and there are glory in their glory and in their wealth and their pomp, and he that rejoices shall ascend into it. And the mean men shall be brought down, and the mighty men shall be tumbled, and the eyes of the lot shall be humbled. The Lord says, tells us there in those verses that because we're proud, because we're proud, we were brought low; because we're haughty, we we brought low. The Lord of hosts shall, exalted, shall be exalted in judgment. The God that is holy shall be seen to the righteous. The day will come when only the Lord will be will be only the Lord will be the one that'll be exalted. But that day is not now. Let's look around at the the situation we live in right now. Let's just take the state of Utah, for example. Homes are getting larger. People are going further into debt. They're buying more toys. They're buying nicer furniture. Everything's wonderful. We have this beautiful, glorious situation we live in. Are we remembering the Lord? Is the Lord alone the one, the only one that's exalted in our own minds, or do we exalt all ourselves to be exalted? That's the question the Lord has to answer here. The Lord says this about the, about about building things to ourselves. He says, quote, "Warned them that call evil good, and good evil; to put life for darkness and darkness for light; to bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Warned the wise in their own eyes and the prudent in their own sight." As I read this I thought, oh my gosh the, this Isaiah may have been talking to Nephi's people But he's really talking to us Wonder of the wise in their own eyes And the prudent in their own sight one of the mighty to drink wine And the man of strength to drink To mingle strong drink Who just the wicked for, the, for, for reward And take away the righteous Of the righteousness from him the Lord will not allow us to continue on forever Making ourselves the golden goose, so to speak Making our own our own situation the best situation He wants to be exalted He, he alone wants to be exalted And He alone should be The Lord warns This is the final warning Therefore as the fire devoureth the stubble And the flame consumes the chaff the rich will and their blessings shall go up as dust, because they cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against His people, not against other people, against His people. And He has stretched forth His hand against them, has fit them and the hills that tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this His anger is not turned away, but His hand is stretched out still loves us, but He will not allow us to continue in sin. What's the theme of these chapters? Number one, Israel had the gospel and, and Christ and rejected both. The proud and wicked who refuse to repent will be humbled and destroyed eventually. Only God can save us. Those who rely on money or idols or works of their hands cannot be saved by them. He also shows that only God has the power to save in the end. If a nation or a people repent and receive Christ, they'll be saved and gathered and restored. If they don't, they won't. This is all brought to clear focus in Second chapter 25. The more I study Isaiah, the more I realize what the Lord said to study the words of Isaiah. Isaiah saw our day clearly. And he wrote about it, and well, maybe well, what he wrote may have been true back then. It's really especially true today. He says, Nephi says, having read the words of Isaiah, quote, and after they have been scattered, this time of the Jews, let us scourge by the other nations for the space of many generations, even from one generation to the next until they are persuaded to believe in Christ, the Son of God, the Atom, which is for all mankind. When that day shall come, that they shall believe in Christ, which isn't yet. I worship the Father of man in his name, with pure hearts and clean hands. I look for it not more for another Messiah. Then at that time, the day will come, that it must needs be expedient, that they shall believe these things. I don't know when that day is going to come. He hasn't come yet. The Jews still believe in Christ. But what's worse, we, so many of us, have are losing our faith in Christ. I loved President Nelson's current initiative to clean out the church buildings. And so there's only pictures of Christ. Take away the tables and the chairs and the the posters and the signs and everything. And, and all the pictures even. I just have pictures of the Savior that's inspired i'm so grateful for president nelson's doing that it's proved to me that not is he a prophet of god but this really is the church of jesus christ we've got to we've got to cleanse our temples not just in the church in our lives of the things that would not lead us to the savior we got to do it it says it says anyway quote the Lord will set His hand again the second time to restore His people from the lost and fallen state. Wherefore, He will proceed to do more or less work to wonder among the two men. We know that more or less work to wonder is the restoration of the gospel. We know it is. And the Lord will do that for us. He's done it for us. We know God do it for ourselves. Nephi says, and I love this, for we labor diligently to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by His grace we are saved after all we can do, which isn't much, by the way. And we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, we write according our, our prophecies. That I only know to what source they may look for remission of their sins. I am so grateful for Jesus Christ and for the power He has to save. It's only in Him that there is power to salvation. Only in Him. Only in Him. And so, so Nephi tries to teach his people all heaven, if they believe in Christ. That's really his bottom line. I hope that's ours as well. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 to 19, it says the following. I'm shifting from over to Isaiah now. Before I go on, I just want to bear my testimony. My friends, Isaiah makes it so simple. He makes it simple. We got to believe in Christ to be saved. I love... I love what President Nelson is doing in our churches. I hope we can do in our lives. Take away everything that would distract us from the Savior. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 16 says, Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before the man eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. For the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith to the Lord. Though your sins will be scarred, they shall be white as snow. Though they will be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We often read that verse alone, but it was part of a larger conversation. If you be willing, obey, and you shall eat the good of the land. The Lord isn't saying that we just have to repent. He's saying that we have to do good. We have to put the evil away from us. We have to cease to do evil. We have to learn to do well. Later in the same chapter, Isaiah chapter 1, the Lord says, quote, I will turn my hand upon thee, and purely purge thy dross, take away all thy sin, and I will restore the judgment as of the first, and thy counselors as is the beginning. Afterward they shall be called, see the righteousness of righteousness, the faithful city, and Zion shall be redeemed with judgment, and the comers with righteousness. President Kimball said of this verse, If the members of the Church would live the Gospel principles, all errors of the world would evaporate. The world would come to us and we would change the frustration of the world to peace of the Gospel. Let me read that one more time. If the members of the Church would live the Gospel principles, all errors of the world would evaporate. If we would just live the Gospel principles, the world would change. The world would come to us we achieve the frustration of the world to the peace of the gospel. Isaiah 12, which is Isaiah 2, we read. So all you have to remember is that the book of Mormon chapters are 10 chapters ahead of the Isaiah chapters, exactly 10. So when you say, when you say, we're reading Isaiah 2. It says And it shall come to pass in the last days when the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted over the hills, and all nations shall fall into it. tongue of the temple. And many people shall go up and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, we walk in his paths. I was very grateful for President Nelson's current emphasis to turn the chapels into temples. To make the church house feel like the temple. Only pictures of Jesus, nothing else. No tables, no no chairs, no even better furniture. I love it. Nephi said the following, and he recorded Isaiah saying the following in 2 Nephi 14. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the earth excellent and comely to them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that they that are left in Zion and remain in Jerusalem shall be called holy, everyone that is written upon the living among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purchase the blood of Jerusalem from the midst of the dove, by the spirit of Jerusalem and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount land, upon our cities a cloud and a smoke by day, shining a flame of fire by night, upon all the glory of Zion will be for defense. That's talking about the day, like when Moses had the children of Israel in the, in the, in the wilderness, they had a cloud by day and a fire by night. He's talking about this. Now, I think you all know that the Pro was originally designed after this verse, but and they've changed it, but since then, they've changed it, but the point is simply this, that they will come when the Lord will have righteous people on the earth. I want to be one of those people. Do you? I hope you do. I hope you're willing to give away the things, the lusts of the world today, so you have that then. It says, it says in verse 6, there should be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and place a refuge and a cover from the storm and from the rain. The tabernacle is a temple, but according to President Nelson, it's also the church. The church is also the place where we can go. And more than that, our home is the place where we should be able to go. To have that cloud by day and the pillar of a fire by night. In fifteen verse 26 to 30, it says the following. And he will lift up an ensign to the nations. That's the church from far, and will kiss unto them from the end of the earth. And he shall come with his feet swiftly. None shall worry, nor stumble among them. None shall slumber, nor sleep. Neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, and the latch of her shoes be broken. Whose arrows shall be sharp, and all their bows bent, and their horses whose shall be counted like flint, and their wheels like a whirlwind. And they're roaring like a lion. And they shall roar like young lions, and they shall roar, and lay hold the prey, and shall carry away safe, and then shall deliver. And in that day shall they roar against them and like the roaring of the sea, and they that, they that look to the land behold darkness and sorrow. The land is darkened in the heavens thereof. The day will come when the Lord will save us all from the things of the world. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit. I wish there was some way that I could show this picture to on the camera. I don't know how to do that. So let me try to explain to you what I'm looking at. If you go to the Holy Land, the Holy Land is very small. It's just off the Sea of of uh, well, it was called the Tiberius Sea back then. It's the Mediterranean Sea now. There's Israel, and just below it is Judah. Israel had ten tribes. Judah had two tribes. Judah was the smallest country then, back then. Above Israel is Syria. Syria was much larger. Above Syria is Assyria, which is the largest. The Assyrian Empire is threatening to come and take Jew- Jerusalem and to destroy the Jews. The Syrians and the Israelites, the ten tribes, join an alliance together it's not a righteous alliance it's an evil alliance they're trying to get Jerusalem to to join with them and they won't so you've got Jerusalem, Judah, the two tribes against the ten tribes and the country of Assyria there's no way they can defend themselves Isaiah was called by the Lord to be the prophet of the kingdom of Judah during the reign of four kings all of which reigned under the threats of Assyria and the alliance of Israel and Syria The four kings were Jotham, who's the son of Isaiah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, and Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah. Three of the four kings were very wicked, Jotham, Ahaz, and Manasseh. Hezekiah, on the other hand, was good, and he saves Israel from from the Assyrians. Israel and Syria were confederate against Judah. Trying to get them to join so they get to have a, more people to fight against Assyria. So, to show the Israel to show the Jews that they, that they should not join the alliance, Isaiah has two sons. The first thing is Shir Jashub, the second one he names Meher Shal Hashbaz. Those are really long names. Their names meant. Sure, Jashub, destruction is imminent. And Meher shall Hashbaz means the remnant shall return. So you'll be destroyed, but the remnant will come back. Isaiah told Ahaz not to join the Confederacy, but to rely on the Lord for protection. Ahaz, however, had a hard time doing that. Hezekiah, his, his however, believes Isaiah and was saved. Assyrian, Assyria and Israel were taken were taken away by Assyria. They, they become the last ten tribes, but the, the Jews are not taken, and they are told that they'll that they'll return. In chapter twenty one, verse one to five, it says. And there shall come forth a rod out of the tomb of Jesse, and a branch shall rot of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And shall make him a quick understanding, in the fear of the Lord, and shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither shall out after the hearing of his ears. With righteousness shall he judge the poor, and approve with equity the meek of the earth, she sweat the earth with the rod of his mouth With the breath of his lips she shall said the wicked And the righteous shall, not be, shall be the girl of his loins And failness the girl of his reins Of course that's at that the saviour. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign for the people To it shall the Gentiles seek And the rest shall be glorious And so in the in that day The Lord shall his hand again The second time to recover the remnant of the people Shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt to Perpetuals, from all the enemies of the Jews. And he shall set up an ensign to the, for the nations, he shall send the of Israel, and gather together together to the deserts of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Elder McConkie said the following quote, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch, and this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord of righteousness. That is to say the king shall be the branch grew, who grew out of the house of David, even him whom who, who, who we call Christ. Jesus was the one that was born of the house of David that would that would save Israel. And he's come and he's done what he, his work and now he's waiting for us to see if we'll follow along or not. My favorite chapter in the Book of Mormon is chapter 22, where it says, quote, And that day shall they say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou sayest with me that thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of the salvation. In that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call on his name. Declare thy doings upon them among the people. Make mention of, of his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, the than excellent things that is known in all the earth. Cry and shout, then heaven of Zion, for great is Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. I don't think there's better chapters in the book, one, better chapter in the book of one than second chapter twenty two. And finally, we have we have this is a way to end this segment. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob, and will I choose Israel? and set them in their own land, and the strangers shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. The Lord will still yet have mercy on Israel, despite their wickedness, and they'll be gathered again to the land that they call their homeland. And the people shall take, take them and bring them their place, yea, from far into the ends of the earth, and they shall return to their lands of promise, and the house of Israel shall possess them. And the land of the Lord, and the land of the Lord shall be for servants and handmaids. They shall take them captives unto whom they were captives. They shall rule over, the, they shall rule over their oppressors. And so it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall give the rest And from their sorrow and their fear and hard bondage. Hard bondage, when thou made to serve, they will come, and the Lord will save Israel. Even though they have rejected the Lord now, they will be saved in the future. My friends. We live in the last days It's a time for us to choose the Lord It's time for us to follow the Lord In righteousness Now I can't make you do that All I can do is invite you to do that As we look at this story It was so hard for the Israelites To believe Hezekiah as he listed Isaiah For them not to, not to be Not to believe that the Syrians Were going to destroy them the Assyrians come down there they're destroyed in one day by the Lord. The angel of the Lord comes and destroys 144,000 of them in one day. i ever that the Lord has the ultimate power in the end, and we'll see that in the end. We won't see it now, but we'll see it in the end. It's my hope and prayer that we can live righteous and faithful so that we can benefit from the Lord's blessings at that day. It's also my hope and prayer that we can live righteous lives so we can set a good example for each other now. Think about the people in your life that look to you for an example. Think about the people in your life that look to you to follow. You may not realize it, but but they are deciding whether they're going to follow you or whether they're going to follow the devil by what you do. let prayer that we can be faithful Israelites. Leave you the Israelites that are saved and protected and gathered at the last day. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for being with us today for another segment of Dr. Bartholomew's in-depth discussion of the Old Testament and its application to us and our lives. This podcast is presented to the facilities of Golden Gems Radio. We invite you to join us on the internet at www.goldengems.net, where you will find presented each week a review of the music and career of one of the great musical artists from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when music was music in the golden days of radio. We look forward to being with you next week for another discussion from the Old Testament with Dr. Bartholomew.